Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Jim. Good to speak with you. Thank you. I've got a problem. I'm a, a owner of rental properties, and I remodeled a property uh, two years ago. And since then, the air conditioning system has worked overtime. Uh, to try to keep that place cool. Now, they, they do want the air down lower than than uh, most people, but that's fine, and I don't have any objection with that. Uh, <clears throat> but I pay the utilities, so I do have objections to the uh, cost factor. And I've noticed that uh, uh, I, after this remodel that I d- had done on the building, uh, their air conditioning runs much longer than it ever used to into the night, and starts up earlier in the day than the units downstairs. Okay. So some of that I could attribute to uh, radiant heat and so on, but something in that system is not functioning properly and it's properly and is gathering heat and putting it into their apartment. Um, I, well, I don't. Let me ask you a couple uh, quick questions. Sure. Uh, when you say they like to keep it cooler than normal, what what how how cool do they keep it? Uh, they like it about sixty nine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, that should be a doable number. Yeah. yeah well, they, they're they're comfortable. It's just yeah. that the AC works so uh, hard, yeah. and my bills uh, work so hard that I go, whoa! I got to be able to do something here to to help out on this situation. Sure. So when you had it remodeled, what what did you have done? Well, I took the. Uh, uh, T111 siding off, and there was substantial water damage to the uh, particle board behind it. Mm-hmm. So I removed that, and when I did, of course, then the insulation was exposed, and it was all water-soiled. Uh, uh, yeah. So I took the uh, fiberglass insulation out, and I used a 4-inch uh, foam uh, insulation material and then put the new uh, outside uh, material on and, and the uh, smart siding over above that. So, okay. so the four inch foam that you use was that a uh, a preformed board? No, it was. Uh, it had come off of a roof that had been on a, uh, a, a chicken house. So I assumed that it was uh, good insulation material, and uh, it didn't have a smell to it, and it was clean. Right. And so I just uh, cut it to fit between the studs and and uh, put a little. Uh, Talking in to hold it in place and uh, and covered everything back up. I'm betting that's where the issue is. Ooh, and, and not not that it's bad material or anything, but uh, some especially like if it was used on a roofing material or something, the R value isn't necessarily in that material that regular insulation would have had. Inch for inch foam insulation, you know, when you spray it in the walls, has the highest mm-hmm. R value available. But when it's all when it's a preformed uh, insulation that way, it doesn't necessarily have as high of R value. And I think your insulation Uh-oh. is probably where your issue is. And with that, I gotta let you go because I gotta take a real. Qu- in fact, I'm Dennis. Would you hold on? I want to talk to you I just a little bit I'll more. All right, Dennis. Yes. You know, one of the things that you you uh, mentioned was you cut them to size, and then caulked them and sealed them in the uh, between the studs, right? In the cavities, yes. Yeah. So the other thing that could be happening is 
when it had fiberglass in the walls, that house was breathable. And uh-huh. when you seal it up real tight, it's no longer breathable. And it may be struggling with air circulation. It'll it'll drop the temperatures down and everything, but uh, it can struggle uh, with humidity levels when it when that happens, and that keeps the unit running even when it doesn't need to run. Well, I, I haven't noticed any humidity on there's front uh, patio doors mm-hmm. uh, in two rooms, and there's no humidity uh, involved with them or the windows in the back area. Uh, there's been no, uh, you know, I know how the humidity will get oh, yeah. up. In fact, on the downstairs apartment, uh, it does have a, a small amount of a humidity problem that uh, uh, goes away after a while. But uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, wondering, I had a new roof put on, and it was supposed to have a ridge vent. But uh-huh. I look up there, and I don't see... I don't see how that ridge vent is functioning. And, and I, I got some binoculars out and tried to look to, to see. And the old one I had on there, you could you could see the... the uh, you, could, you can see the ridge yeah. because it should stick yeah. up an inch above the the top. And if it's not doing that, they didn't install it. Well, that's what I'm wondering. And, and I that, don't have end vents that I used to have on there. So yeah, I'm, and I'm that would capture absolutely that would run the electric bill up because your your uh, attic is overheating, and that will put a huge strain on trying to uh, keep it down in there. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Keith, welcome to WBAP. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Jim, I've got a question. I need to troubleshoot a water heater. Okay. Um, It's an electric water heater. The best of my knowledge, it's probably about 10 years old. About three days ago at the house, um, our hot water pressure in the house just dropped. The flow rate of hot water is about half of what it is of cold water. This is every faucet, every shower in the house. Okay. Is this a line scale build-up, something that you need to look into, or what, Russ? More than likely, uh, where the water goes into the water heater, you know that where that flexible line is? Yes. Take both ends off. One of them's going to have a screen on it that's plugged up. Okay. And that's probably all it is. That's probably it? That's wow. probably it. Should I continue on and go ahead and drain it? Because there's no telling how long ago it got drained, if ever. Uh, you know, I personally don't bother draining mine. And if you wait more than two years, then it doesn't do any good to try to drain them because the sediment's already built up. Uh, so, you know, as old as what you just said yours is, I wouldn't waste my time. Okay. But just yeah, shut the water off, you. undo the... the uh, Water that goes in and find which one has the screen on it, clean it, and you'll probably be good to go. Okay. Now, in the event that I need to replace this electric water heater. Yeah. And I, I haven't replaced a water heater in years. And it seemed like the last one I replaced was a gas water heater anyway, where it just sweated the lines. So is it basically, I mean, basically just three contact leads that go in there, hot, neutral, and ground? Yeah, they're actually the, the hooking up an electric water heater is pretty easy. Okay. And uh, when you take take the panel off, you'll see where the wires go in, and mm-hmm. you 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 know what I t- typically tell people is snap a picture. 
I mean, we all got our cell phones now. You can oh, snap yeah. a picture yeah. of how it's wired up, and I, that gives you uh, a guide then for hooking up the next one. It's foolproof for a fool. Okay. There you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Keith, Jim, you take care. I appreciate care. it. Thanks a lot. Let's head over to Frisco. Hello, Kathy. Hi there. How are you? Wonderful. How about you? Great. Thank you. Hey, I have a question. Um, we are going to remodel our bathroom, and um, I'm the the water closet is very small, and so the door swings toward, you know, inside. So I'm trying to, I guess my question is, can you have a pocket door? Can you install a pocket door if it hasn't been built for a pocket door already? Yes, you you can. But here's what you're going to be dealing with if you if you do, you got to open up the sheetrock, change uh-huh. out the studs in that area because the the studs rotate instead of being uh, you know three and a half inches th- deep, it gets rotated to where it is only the uh, inch and three quarter side. And and then you can put a pocket door in. Now, you can't have electric running on that side and things like that. So there are some limitations where you can do it. Okay, so because I, I do have a, a switch right there on that wall. So that means I that's my only option on that wall. Yeah. So I can't put it there then, right? No, ma'am. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right, that was my question. And so you're you still recommend the DFW remodeling? Oh, DFW improved, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay, we will give them a call. Now, Thank get, you. Give so them a holler because there are some other doors that you maybe can take a look at. You know, a lot of times when people have a, a very limited uh, space like that, instead of having just a single door that opens, you know, you can go with with the with the uh, double door. So it's not taking up as much space when it is opened. Oh, In other words, okay. It's hinged on both sides and splits in the middle. Yeah. Kind of like a, uh, it's, it's kind of like you're walking into a bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, like a, a small French door. Yeah. So, okay, okay. All right, sir. Thank you so much. We really you enjoy bet. your show. Is it Marianne? Marianne, this is my question. I have got been told I have been using the same air conditioning people for half three-fourths of my life so they're very well qualified people I have have put in the one unit one of those larger filters that, that you put in the unit upstairs as opposed to oh, media fil- the- you put in a media filter yeah and so um, I was told that the spot where the other one used to be needed a filter on it even though there was, it was the air wasn't going back and forth to it. Right. So this, I just had it checked up for the springtime, and the man that came and did it this time, which is a different person, the people I used to use all the time, some people have retired by now, so I have different people coming now. But anyway, um, he told me I did not need a filter there. And so okay. I don't know whether I do or not. Technically, you do not. Uh, because once you put the media filter in, that's where all the filtering is done, is up top. Now, some AC guys still recommend putting in one of those uh, throwaway cheap fiberglass filters. Exactly. Just, to, exactly. just to capture the big particles and let the media filter catch the smaller stuff up in the attic. 
and there's absolutely okay. nothing wrong with that. Just don't put a pleated filter in there because now you're going to be restricting the air too much. But one of the fiberglass right. ones is fine. Okay. Thank you so okay. much. Appreciate you're it. welcome. Jerry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. I need to ask a couple of questions if I could. Okay. Want to want to build a patio that has very little shade, and I want to know what would be the best item for the value to build that patio with. What kind of lumber? Whether it be treated redwood or what? Are you talking about uh, the deck itself? Yes. Okay. Uh, do the framework out of treated lumber. And mm-hmm. uh, if you don't mind looking at, uh, you know, regular lumber, then do your decking out of treated deck boards. And then you can stain it with Ready Seal. And they've got several different options as far as stain colors uh, to stain and seal it. And you can get a redwood, you can get a walnut, you know, and, and anything in between. The key thing, though, is once you've built it out of uh, treated lumber, You've got to let it dry well before you add the ready seal. And how long a time is that? Depends on how wet it is. Uh, you know, most most of the time you're looking at a couple of months before it's ready to have the uh, stain and sealer okay. put on it. Okay, so just build the whole thing with treated lumber and then let it dry a period of time and then, then put some kind of sealer on it? Yep, yep, ready okay. seal. Hello, Bill. Hello, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, doing okay. It's a beautiful day out today. Yep. Got a quick question. Uh, I live in uh, Port Bolivar, over here across from Galveston. Yeah. And all of these houses are on stilts. And my house in particular doesn't have any insulation underneath it. And I was wondering, when, because I wanted to buy some bad insulation put up, should I put it paper side to the house or wool side to the house if you were going to put it it would be paper side to the house so realistically you could buy without paper but let me ask you a question why do you want to put insulation there well the floors get real cold during the winter time that uh, are underneath the carport yeah well here's the reason i bring this up uh when you start putting in insulation and then you're going to cover the insulation and stuff like that, you're changing the dynamics of the way the uh, moisture and stuff escape out of that home. Right. And there's been a lot of cases where, one, you could start having wood rot. Two, what do you have for floors inside the home? Linoleum. See, that linoleum can now get moisture trapped under it and cause the uh, subfloors underneath to deteriorate. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I've seen some ar- some articles on Facebook about that uh, yep. here locally, but uh, hadn't really thought out. Most of it was particle board, but I, I believe mine are planks. Okay. Yeah, if you got the planks, you're going to be better off. But it, it would surprise. How old a house is it? It was built in uh, 1964. Okay, yeah, then you're not going to have the particle board stuff. Uh, The particle board is really wreaking havoc with people. On an older structure like you have, especially if it does have the planks, uh, that actually helps for for the airflow, and yeah, you'd probably be okay. 
plot and just 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 for everybody listening because I've got a friend who's who's got a a place that he's actually been going through some of this on Bolivar. Uh, the engineers have told him that if you use plywood instead of the particle board, it actually makes a difference. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, okay. So, okay, so if you uh, want to put insulation, you actually don't need paper on it at all. Just just put unfaced. The whole purpose of the paper when we put insulation is it gives them something to staple to hold it in place while they're doing the other construction. Uh, it's actually it. better if it's left breathable. And so paperless actually is a, is a better way to go. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, when it comes time to make a decision, I'll, I'll weigh all that in. Alrighty. You take care. Jack, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Okay, Jim. Um, I'm wondering, is it better to do foundation lifting when the soil is expanded, or should you really let it dry out more towards the middle of the summer or somewhere in between? And do you recommend piers or mud jacking for the, for the same question also and for the interior of the home? Okay. As far as leveling the home, it really doesn't matter what time of year, whether the soils are expanded or, or not. Now, if when the soils expand, your cracks and everything close up all the way, then I wouldn't even recommend piers. I would recommend preventative maintenance like irrigation and root barriers, and that will expand the soils and keep it expanded so you don't have to do foundation repair. But if you're already at the point where you need piers, the time of year really won't matter that much. Uh, as far as mud jacking or urethane injection, I don't recommend doing that on a residence at all. The only place that I'll mud jack or urethane is going to be driveways, patios, sidewalks, uh, commercial buildings like warehouses and things like that. But anything that you've got a structure on top of it that has sheetrock and uh, you know things that uh, can break like that, the mud jacking and urethane is just not a good fix because just like you mentioned, the soils expand and contract. So if you urethane or mud jack when the soils are expanded, the first time the soils dry out and shrink, it's going to go down anyways. Vice versa, if you do it when it's down and you get it back up to level, the first time that the soils expand, it's going to pick it up higher than you want it. So you got to use piers to do the actual leveling. You leave the void under the piers after leveling so the soils can move up and down without moving the structure. Okay, really great answer, good professional answer. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You, you bet. Thank you. Hello, Don. Hi, Jim. Uh, going right to the question. I have a 1971 built house on a slab. My grandson and I just knocked out the tub and tile surround in our middle bathroom, and mm -hmm. uh, and we're left with uh, studs and a concrete uh, slab underneath it, which is kind of contoured for drainage. Mm -hmm. And um, it drains into a, a small hole where the pipes come up, or the drain pipes come up. Now, my wife is, is very curious as to what kind of tub to put back in there. Fiberglass, acrylic, um, some other thing starts with a V or, or steel. Vicra. Well, 
it really depends on the look that you want. Now, is this a tub that's used every day? Uh, no, it's the guest room. <clears throat> okay. For that, you virtually could go with whatever tub you want. I will tell you, for longevity, the steel tubs with a porcelain finish is still the way to go. Uh, because it'll hold its color and never change. Where when you go with the poly tubs and plastic ones and all that stuff, as they age, they do change colors, and they can tend to crack slightly around the drain hole, just like uh, you see on the the man-made synthetic uh, countertops will do around the drain. Mm. A tub will tend to do that, but we're talking twenty to thirty years. You know, it's not we're not talking anything in in a short term, but. Uh, for longevity, you still can't beat a, a metal tub with porcelain on it. Yeah. The um, <clears throat> the reason why I didn't jump on the metal tub idea was that uh, we had a cast iron one here, and it sweats so bad yep. that the, um, the area adjacent to the tub uh, became moldy uh, in the adjacent rooms. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so... I hear the new ones have uh, some kind of insulation sprayed on them, so maybe that won't happen. They do, and I'm kind of surprised that you had one that would sweat enough to do that. Uh, usually that's an indication that there might have been a, a leak in the wall higher up or something, but um, th yeah, they, they are insulated nowadays where you really don't have to worry about that. Okay, that's good to know. And I don't have to worry about it denting or... Um... No. No. Okay. No. And and honestly, if it does dent, the porcelain's going to get messed up pretty bad because it has no give. Yeah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a little insight here. Don't go to the box stores and look for a tub. you got a very, very limited selection there. Uh -huh. Go to a regular plumbing supply store. Okay. And like... Uh, uh, in Dallas, I, I recommend H2O Supply. They got a great showroom. You're in Houston, Ferguson's, uh, Moore Plumbing Supply, uh, Morrison's. All of them have showrooms that you got a much better selection of tubs. Okay, I will very much appreciate that uh, advice. I'm gonna take it too. Thank you, okay. sir. You bet. And even your faucets and, and all that stuff, get it at a plumbing supply store. They are better than what you're going to find at the box stores and a much better selection. Bob, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim, thanks. Uh, got a little frame home built in McKinney back in the 50s. They added a, a den and a carport. It has a flat roof on just the den part of the house. Uh, all the white gravel is pretty much washing off the roof. So I need to, you know, there's no leaks or anything. I guess I just need to go back and understand what kind of maintenance or check should I do. Uh, can I add that pea gravel myself or I need to get some special kind to put up there on the roof? No, it's not. It's actually not a special kind of gravel or anything. And the whole purpose of the gravel is to protect the... Uh, material that's under it the uh you know when you have the gravel you have a tar base under it and the uv rays will degrade that material very quickly and cause leaks so you definitely want to get something up there to cover it up again and the gravel is what they use to cover it to protect it 
Now, typically, there is some tar down when the gravel gets put on to hold a certain amount of it in place, and then there's other that's just on top of it that's loose. Uh, so I don't know how much of it you've lost, but yeah, that is definitely something you're going to want to get taken care of. Our one-floor 1,800-square-foot house was built in 1960, and since 2003 expanded to 4,500 square feet. Floors are not all level. About 50 square foot is original terrazzo entry. What is the best way to level floors to prepare for ceramic or porcelain tile installation? I heard about thin set using mortar. What do you think is thin set with mortar is used? Can it be walked on after it hardens? How long? And he's asking how many months it can be walked on before tile is installed. Well, first of all, you don't use mortar uh, because mortar, especially if you're going to be trying to walk on it, it's going to it's going it's just going to crumble. It's going to be uh, too weak, and you don't want that underneath the tile. If you know old floors like that terrazzo, that's going to have a mortar bed under it, but that's going to be probably an inch and a half to two inches of mortar bed. Then you can get away with it. But if you're just doing floor leveling where you're putting like quarter inch thick stuff, you need to use just a regular floor leveler. It's a synthetic. They dry quick, you know, usually within 10 minutes or so, and you can start walking on it. And then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, putting the, the tile down immediately. Although, if it was me, I would get my tile in as quick as possible. Uh, don't bother putting the floor leveler down until you're ready to do the tile because, you know, if you drag furniture or something across, you can scar those uh, floor levelers up. They are a polymer-type floor leveler. You can use a long four- or six-foot-long screed board. I typically use a just a one-by-four myself, just like a trowel to spread it out, to even it out, and then... It, they're self-leveling, so any of the little ridges and stuff will normally settle out on their own. Anything that's left, you can just take a hand grinder and grind it down later or use a rubbing stone. So th that's really what you want to use on it, and then you're finished and don't have to worry about it. Camp, how can I help you? Hey, I've got an issue with a uh, with water hammer. And I, I went and got a water hammer suppressor, a little, uh, oh, it looks like it's about four or five inches long, a little half-inch tube that yeah. I uh, spliced into the uh, end of the line. And it, I thought that was going to fix it, but a week later, it's it's back just like it was. And when you say a water hammer, it, it, it only happens when you shut the water off, correct? Yeah, it happens some occasionally when you shut the water off. It's not a, every time. In fact, it's it's our downstairs uh, toilet. Whenever I, uh, whenever you, you you flush that thing, a lot of times it doesn't do anything. But then, when it goes off, it's like as soon as you flush, uh, push the lever down, the uh, the hammering starts right then. Ah, okay, and and so it's not just one hard hammer. It's it's a series of little oh, yeah. thumps. Bang, 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 like that. And it'll go like that sometimes for 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's not actually a water hammer. That's going to be a uh, washer in the, the uh, system. So it's either going to be in the uh, tank itself, you know, where the uh, float is and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or it can actually be in the valve under the toilet. But what's happened is one of the O-rings or one of the washers has torn. 
and what you're hearing is just that little piece of rubber flapping in the water as the water flows by. Huh. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. It's it's loud. It's it's not oh, yeah. like a little tapping. Yeah. No, it's it's it sounds like a machine gun going off. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, and so you're saying it's it's a uh, a washer in the in the with a float mechanism and all that is. Yeah, you know where the water flows through. It's either going to be a washer or O-ring in one of those. You know, either in the tank or in the valve under the toilet. My guess is it's going to be in the in the toilet bowl itself, in in the tank itself rather. Okay. Are there any kind of uh, mechanisms that will will work that that don't use that that? I called a plumber out, and he can he play he changed the guts out uh, of of the tank, and um, but the problem's still there. Then it's going to be the valve under the toilet. Okay. Okay. So you think a new valve would uh, be a solution then? Well, it's it's going to be a washer somewhere, uh, so it can be. It can be in that valve, you know, just one of the the washers there, in and yeah, or the tube that goes from that valve to the uh, bottom of the tank. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm I'm eliminating since you said the plumber already changed the guts inside. I'm gonna just yeah, we're gonna forget about that. So uh, okay. at each end of the the tube, you know, there's a there's a washer that seals it up. Okay. When you, so it could be one of those, or it could be the washer inside the the valve itself. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll I'll replace that little uh, valve then and see if that uh, is my solution. Hope so. All right. Hey. Well, I would, so I would, I'll tell Appreciate you, if it was me, the first thing I would do, yeah, is yeah. Un, undo the uh, the hose that goes from the valve up, uh-huh. and just and just take a look at those two washers. Okay. Uh, especially the one on the bottom of the tank. And for a okay. nickel, you'll replace those, and you know if it, if it looked if it at all looks like it's crushed or or met, it, defigured at all, just change those out first. Okay. But even okay, the valve we'll itself do. is you know four bucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, I appreciate your helpfulness. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care, Camp. Mm, bye bye. Yeah, you know. A water hammer, a true water hammer, only happens when you shut the water off, and and that that device he was talking about, that is uh, uh, to stop a water hammer. Because what happens when you shut the water itself off, it backs up. It basically boom, it's off. It slams, and it's got no place to go, and so it jars the pipe, and it's just one solid hit done. Uh, what the little apparatus that he was talking about does is that fills with air. And so when you shut the water off, instead of the water just stopping and slamming, it, that air is able to be compressed and take the pressure and it eliminates the water hammer. When you have water that is thumping that way, and it can be loud, it sounds like, it, like I said, it'll sound like machine gun going off. It can be extremely loud, but that's an indication of an O-ring or a washer that's torn or stretched out or something, and as water is flowing by, it's just flapping in the water, just like a flag flaps in the wind, and that thing just makes a heck of a racket. You, you would think the house is going to be blown apart, but it's it's a little nickel washer that's a, or, or O-ring, one or the other. One quick thing, uh, on a water hammer, you know, if you do get where you got, it's just hammering that way and it's something new, those risers can fill with water 
over time. So to clear it, shut the water off to the house, open every valve, including outside hose bibs, everything, and drain the pipes completely. After you've done that, close all the valves, go turn the water back on, and then go to the furthest valve, whether it's an outside hose bib or a sink or whatever, from where the water comes in the house. You want to go to the furthest one away, turn it back on, let the water flow until you get all the air out. That puts air back into those risers and should eliminate the water hammer. So if, if you've never had a water hammer and then one all of a sudden starts, it just means water's gotten into the risers and that's how you put air back into them. The email question come in regarding a ridge vent and baffling. And he says, Jim, I'm trying to research the importance of baffling and if it can be practically done during a roof replacement without tearing off sheathing when you install ridge vents during the replacement. I understand what my fascia vents probably need to be increased in lieu of changing out for pre-perforated oh, fascia. Single-story house just under 3,000 square foot. Thanks. Well, truly the only baffling you should need if you're going with a ridge vent is on the very outside edges by the outside walls if your insulation is so high that it's going up to the uh, roof decking then you would put a baffle in there in order to allow the air to go above the insulation and yes it can be done from the attic it's a real pain in the butt but it can be done from the attic it's much easier if the plywood's off but if you don't have to strip the plywood I wouldn't. The other option is, especially if it's blown in insulation, you just reach in there with a garden rake, knock it down a little bit on that outside edge to let air flow up. It doesn't need six inches for the air to flow. A little two inch space between the roof deck and the insulation is really all you need in order to get good airflow and not have to worry about it. Now, sometimes people get to where they want to put some type of baffling up under the ridge vent itself and that should not be necessary the way the way a ridge vent is built uh it it's already got a foam material in there so that's to try to keep uh insects from coming in and stuff like that and i'm gonna tell you up front it is not foolproof uh, the other thing that you can run into when you use a ridge vent is water coming in if we get extremely high wind because the wind can blow the water somewhat sideways so if you are going to put a ridge vent and i i believe in using ridge vent every time i can but if you're going to use one use the hurricane rated ones and it just helps to minimize any water intrusion even if you get water that comes in them we're talking drops we're not talking gallons so i wouldn't lose any sleep over that and definitely ridge vents with continuous soffit vents is the best way to go if you can do that. Jim, I want to replace expansion joints with self-leveling sealant. My concrete apron that approaches the three-car garage is level with a slight slope for drainage. The joints are approximately three-quarter inch wide. After cleaning the joints out, do I use a sand base and then some backer rod to fill, then the sealant? Is there... Uh, Sika brand sealant, a good choice. Or can you tell me, in your opinion, what the best 
procedure is. Thanks much. Love the show on 740KTRH. Please email what would be great regards, Kurt. And just FYI, when I use your email on the air like this, we actually clip a copy of the recording and email it to you so you do get a copy of the answer for it. Uh, but you got two choices here. You can use that easy flow sealant. Now, when you use that, yes, you're going to fill the, the base of it. You want to make sure that you seal it tight enough so that when you put the material in the top, it doesn't just soak and run down the sides because uh, it, it's liquid enough. It does run down through small gaps. Uh, you only need about like a half inch or so on the surface. So you're not going to have to use a ton of this material. And the one I've always used is available at Rental One. It comes in caulking tubes. Uh, I think they got it in buckets as well, but I've always used the big caulking tubes. Uh, Self-levels looks great when it's done. Your other choice, though, if it's a three-quarter inch gap like that, is a product called Trimislab. They have different widths of it. And uh, basically, since you've got it cleaned out, this literally just pushes down into that gap. And it looks just like that rubberized material, but it's all pre-done in a rope that's easy to, to pop in there. And it still seals up and, and does an amazing job. Uh, I think you'll find it easier to work with and e easier to get the job done. Trim a slab, you can go to trim-a-slab.com uh, or just give them a call. It's a product that's manufactured in League City, 832-618-3726. Hopefully that'll uh, get that problem taken care of for you. But definitely if you're going to use the, uh, the liquid materials, you definitely want to make sure, again, that it, it's tight enough that when you put the fluid in there it's not just going to seep down around it because it will run out and that gets expensive fast you've just heard the best calls and questions from texas home improvement for more information about our show go to thipro.com